Wonderful. I always wanted to be in the band. <laughs> he who lives in a glass house. Never mind. <laughs> it's interesting to me, you know, with, with the technical problems, how the presence of God still comes. He comes. It's, it's intriguing that he's not put off. You know, what does God want? Those that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. You know, the Bible says that God, the eyes of the Lord go to and fro throughout the world, seeking to strongly support those whose heart is completely his. So even in the midst of, oh, man, we can't hear this, I can't hear answers. Wow, the Lord is here. Wow. I just felt such an overwhelming presence of God, and we do honor you, Lord. All that matters is you're here. Challenges, no challenges. Sun shining, it's raining. You are with us. We thank you, Lord. We honor your name. We lift you high in this place. We do not, do not take lightly your presence. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Well, we get to uh, continue in James today, and we're actually going to touch down on a subject that he's already touched down on briefly. And... Uh, see it all the way over there my monitor um and that's of wisdom if you recall in chapter one he says if you lack wisdom ask of god and he will give you abundance he will give you more and uh, we're going to touch down here on the latter chapter the latter half of chapter three we will get into chapter four if we can but we want to give time for this topic and I want to also expand a bit. Wisdom and understanding is what we're addressing here. And the wisdom here in the Greek is the broad, full of intelligence, used of knowledge of very diverse matters. So it's, it's a little bit broader than you might consider what wisdom is. Understanding is intelligence, experience, having knowledge of an, in an expert way. So it's just wisdom, knowledge, understanding is what he's going to uh, develop here. And he's going to... to juxtapose wisdom from above and wisdom from below. And he's going to highlight that which brings life and that which sort of brings death. Now, this is important because we have so much input in our lives through social media and podcasts. Everyone's pontificating. You listen to it all the time, whether you know it or not, the new atheists that are out, the Sam Harris and, and his, his bunch. Maybe you listen to Jordan Peterson and you delight in what he has to say. But this, do you understand where the wisdom's coming from? The knowledge is coming. Have you considered its source? Have you considered what that sowing of these words into your life is producing? Because James gives us some handles to at least, to at least get, a, get an understanding of what is being sown into our lives. And he's going to show us that the wisdom that's from the earth, that's terrestrial, is very different. And even, even Solomon says this wisdom under the sun in juxtaposition to wisdom from God. And that is the nature of this chunk of, of scripture we're going to go through. And it's so important for us to take on board where are we getting input into our lives on how to live. When you have issues with your children, do you even consider the word of God of how to raise children by actually reading the Bible? Issues in marriage, do you even consider the word of God first? Or do we seek counsel outside and then at the last, we kind of look at the word of God? 
And it's so important for us because we will see this in the fruit in our lives. Let's start. James chapter 3, verse 13. Who among you is wise and understanding? Let him show by his good behavior, in, uh, behavior his deeds in gentleness of wisdom. There's this idea again of James, consistent from what he just spoke on. Faith without works is dead. In other words, there's a fruit. If you say you have faith, there's a fruit. If you have wisdom from above, there's, there's fruit in your life. It's not just intellectual acquisition of knowledge. It's an actual working out in your life, seen in action, in deeds. When Jesus was challenged by the Pharisees that he was a, a wine-bibber, a drunkard, and so on, he says, wisdom is vindicated by her deeds. Okay, you hear what I've seen, what I've said, you've heard it. Look what I do. You will see the wisdom that I speak has action and life. He even said to, to, um, to one of his disciples in, in John 15, that says, are you the way? Show us the Father. And he says, look, have I been with you this long and you don't know who I am? If you do not believe my words, at least look at what I do. So again, James is stressing the acquisition of, of wisdom and the working out of it. And now we're getting into the wisdom under the sun. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not be arrogant and so lie against the truth. This wisdom is not which comes down from above, but is earthly, natural, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder and every evil thing. It's important to highlight here, just in the, in the beginning of verse 14, that this bitterly, bitter jealousy and selfish ambition kind of creep into your life. It's rare that you get up and go, I'm going to be bitter and selfish. I've got tons of ambition. This creeps into our lives. And where does it creep into? The heart. Oh, the heart. Even in the natural, we know the heart is something we have to be careful with. You're going to have a sore hand, a sore foot, and so on. You'll live long. But when you've got issues in your heart, it's 911. So it is the warning from James. Be wary of your heart. You will always be tested on your affections. Even Abraham, take your son whom you love, your only son, was tested on his heart. It's in issues of the heart as to why we follow Christ or don't follow him. If you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Do not take lightly issues around the heart. This is not a small topic that James is talking about. And selfishness and jealousy are actually addressed throughout the New Testament by many of the, many of the writers. And he talks about this, just this coming against the truth, setting itself up against the truth. Um, it's, it's like it's, it suppresses the truth. This kind of wisdom he speaks of is, is, is natural. It's earthly. It's terrestrial. It's not from above. Be 
if you've been around me any length of time, you know I really like this scripture. Because it always hit me when I first read it. This is Paul talking to the Corinth church, which lacked no spiritual gift. Who were all speaking in tongues in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, 14. If you look at it, there was a lot of movement of the spirit. But this is what he charges them with. I gave you milk to drink, not solid food. For you were not even able to consume it. Not that able to consume it. But even now you're not able, for you are fleshly. For since there's jealousy and strife among you, are you not fleshly? Are you not walking like ordinary people? It actually means, ordinary people means humans. And I love that, because you're just reading through and you're like, well, aren't we humans? What's he talking about? There's something so deep in this scripture for me. Stop being an ordinary human. You're like, what do you mean? Well, find out what you are. If you've been born again. You ain't the child your mother bore. And I've often said that. Praise God, because I was a pretty abused, I was, I was a mess. I thank God I am not the man my mother bore. Be aware of who you are. Be aware of what you are. Noun, not just verbing, but nouning. You must get the noun before you get the verb. Once you've got the noun, that's what he's talking about. Now you've got faith. You now must see the verb. You must see the action. But it's not the other way around. And we talked about this even at Connect Group. And, 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 you know, blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. Where do you get your counsel from? Where do you seek wisdom and understanding? Nor stand in the way of sinners. Do you why you just tracking along with them? Wide is the path. Narrow is the path. Are you aware of the path you're on? Of how you're walking? Of who is directing your way to go left or right? Or do you sit in the seat of scoffers? And this is the whole Psalm chapter 1, the delight in the law of God, the delight in the word of God, the delight from wisdom from above. It is demonic, he says, influenced by the demonic, earthly, human, demonic. Where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is a dis- there's disorder in every evil thing. That one verse almost describes the state of the world. With all the lofty talking heads, more knowledge than we've ever had. We got AI coming on board, but it's all of the earth. Earth can only produce earth, flesh can only produce flesh. The, the fruit of it is disorder, instability. It's instability, a state of disorder, disturbance, confusion. Is that not the state of the world? They're confused, bro. Jealousy, selfish ambition, those, those two, you know, one-two punch. You see in the culture, you see it in the advertising, you see it all over the place. Me and mine. My ambition, my rights, my this, my that. I've been done hard by me. Selfishness in complete juxtaposition to Christ and his humility. Blindness. We see the pride of the Pharisees. They were the blindest guys, and yet they were the ones leading the people. We know everything. Watch, imagine me walking out of here without, with my eyes closed. That's what it looks like spiritually. The arrogance that comes. For God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. And you often do see this in, on display in leadership. And as a result, if the leaders are looking to be, to be ambitious, and you see it in all manner, whether it's political whether it's in the church. What, what is the result? What is the fruit? There's confusion. There's just, 
There's confusion. Every kind of evil. Look at America. Look at Canada. Look, look at all the first world. Have we ever been more arrogant than we are now? Throwing off the restraint of God. Post-Christian culture. We can do it ourselves. And look at the plight of the home. Look at the plight of the society. Look at the plight of mental illness and its rise. Look at the fruit. But it's pride. It's arrogance. And it's interesting in this verse uh, 16. You can almost say if there is disorder in every evil thing, there's probably jealousy and selfish ambition. If you see the fruit of this disorder in every evil thing, you know underneath the surface there is this jealousy and selfish ambition. I mean, he's speaking plain to churches. I mean, the church, the dispersion, but there's multiple churches, right? Multiple gatherings of people. And he's not mincing words, as you see. I mean, you and I as Canadians may have to double this and sort of like build it out and be less offensive. And, you know, we don't, you guys don't have problems. You have challenges, right? You don't have the, you know, you might want to think about changing your, and he's like, boom, he doesn't got time for it. Make it plain, preacher. And he makes it plain. Now we see this example in Corinth of when this, the churches are just seeking knowledge for knowledge's sake. Just acquiring more information. I'm talking about in a, in a good way, in a sense. But they're missing the point of acquisition of more knowledge and wisdom. Now, regarding your question about food that has been offered idols. Yes, we know that we, we all have knowledge about this issue. But while knowledge makes us feel important, it is love that strengthens the church. Anyone who claims to know all the answers doesn't really know very much at all. Now, if you're NASB, it will be knowledge puffs up. And this is around the issue of eating meat offered unto idols. And Paul would say you can eat it. It's not a big deal. But if there's a brother who struggles in that area, maybe they came out of that particular paganism, don't eat it. Something like maybe, maybe if you know someone's offended at drinking wild wine, don't drink wine. Are you free to drink wine? Yes, you are. You know that. But don't use that as a, a place to now offend your brother. Think of love. It is love that's central to this. You are free. But don't use this freedom in a way that's not helpful to your brothers and sisters. It is love. Going to verse 17. But wisdom from above is pure. Then peace loving. Gentle. I like this. It's reasonable. Full of mercy. And good fruits. Who doesn't want to sit at that table? Can you pass the pure? Pass some gentleness? It's amazing. It's impartial. Free of hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. It, it, see those, those, those descriptions there. Why, why is it pure? Why is it peace-loving? I mean, you're scratching around on the earth. People are looking for this. They go all over the world. They, you hear of monasteries where they shut themselves up, all scratching around. Paul in Acts 17 is even petitioning the people. He says, I've looked at what your poet said. I've looked at where you guys are scratching around in the darkness, as it were. The reason it's pure, the reason it's peace, it comes from above. Consider the source. My mother used to always say that when my brother was 
being mean or saying mean things. She'd say, son, consider the source. Consider the source from God. It's pure. Peace-loving, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy, good fruits, impartial, free of hypocrisy. We need to go vertical. You want wisdom? You want understanding? It is given from above. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. Be aware of people that stir up trouble. Always talking, always saying things. Be aware of that. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers. You can see the influence of our Lord on James. Here's some examples of of it in action. This wisdom from above in action. And you'll see this so many times. It's delightful to read of, of people who love Jesus. It's delightful to read. And this is speaking of Jesus. And he came to his hometown and began teaching them in the synagogue with the results that they were astonished and said, where did this man acquire this wisdom and these miraculous powers? He is not like us. When he stood up and read from Isaiah 61 and put down the scroll, they marveled. Because he was not like the scribes who were the teachers. He spoke as one with authority. There was something that happened and came through when he spoke that impacted them. They'd heard this portion of scripture read before. But when Jesus read it, there was something released. Something from above. This is sort of the the, the mic drop. No one was able to offer him a word in answer. The Pharisees were cross-examining him. Nor did anyone dare from that day to ask him any more questions. They were overwhelmed with his wisdom and understanding. They must have marveled at why was he not sweating more as they gather around him like a brood of vipers, questioning him, hoping to find something by which they could grab him and put him to death. Should we pay taxes to Caesar? Because they can get him, right? Because if he says yes, the Jews will be against him. If he says no, the Romans will be against him. He says, give me a coin. Whose face do you see on? Of course, they see Caesar's. Render under Caesar that which is Caesar's. And render unto God that which is God. And of course, there's an amazing teacher around that. But it's, it's the wisdom. But there's no, I just see him just so patient and completely at peace. Not like, what am I going to say? What are, there's complete alignment with the Father. The wisdom just overwhelms them. You see that in, in is it Acts 5 when, when the guys stand up and they get beaten? Remember at Temple Beautiful, Peter says, Arise and walk. And of course, they, they, um, they preach of Jesus, whom the, the, the Sanhedrin just crucified. Can you imagine esteeming someone that you just murdered? You're like, Dude, you need to shut up. Talk about that. But they marveled at how he, they spoke. They're just fishermen. Isn't that amazing how God can speak through? People we would not consider learned. Such wisdom and understanding. Isn't it true that God uses the weak to confound the wise? That God takes those in their weakness that his power is made perfect? The yielding of our tongues to God. We see that in Matthew chapter 10 when he sends them out. Remember when he finally sends these guys out? He says, don't worry about what you've got to say. In the moment, yield to the spirit of God and you will know what you need to say. This is awesome. Oh, so good. This is uh, um, Stephen. 
read chapter 6, you'll see that you get a little breakdown on the history of Israel, actually. But they were unable to cope with his wisdom and the spirit by whom he was speaking. They're just overwhelmed by it. And you think of all the various talking heads. Why do we seek wisdom from them? I'm not, I'm not saying I don't, I don't listen to these various podcasts to get an understanding of where the world is at. Even Paul was aware of what was going on in the world. That's how he was able to speak to the unknown God. He looked around Athens. There's a place for that, but where do you find your guidance, your insights? Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgment and unfathomable are his ways. I just feel like I'm speaking into the spiritual realm. Praise God. Praise God. Lord, give us revelation of who you are and what we have in you right now. Now, I've, before I move on to chapter 4, I find there's a passage that Paul does such a great job of articulating in a different way the thrust of what James is getting at and why James is pretty aggressive, if I'm honest, and pretty point blank, like making it plain. And again, if you know me long, it's one of my favorite passages. For the word of the cross, 1 Corinthians 2.18, for the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the understanding of those who have understanding, I will confound. God has set himself up against the wisdom of this world. That's important to know. He's in contradiction to it. You cannot seek that wisdom and God's wisdom at the same time. It will pollute it. Where is the wise person? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? And you're like, well, Nick, there's tons of podcasts. Just go to Spotify. That's where they are. But he's calling them, as it were. Where are you? Has God not made foolish the wisdom of the world? You're like, wow. Just a punch right into the gut. For since the wisdom, for get this, get this. For those who preach the gospel, which I trust we all do, if not to yourself. For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not come to know God. Scratching around. You're not going to find them there. You can go off on all of these various journeys, these religious escapades. You can take that weird drug that guys talk about and go off in the, in the areas and so on. You will not find them. He's ordained it that way. You cannot know God in earthly wisdom. You cannot find God there. God was pleased through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. You say, Nick, people think the gospel's stupid. Well, guess what? He knows that. He seemed to actually orchestrate it. He said, why can't it just make more sense? Why can't we? Because it will take its power away. It will be reduced to the wisdom of men. This is the wisdom and message from heaven. Through the foolishness of the message preached to save all those who believe. He puts it right out, this, this somewhat ridiculous message to the earth, right in their face. Doesn't change it. They must humble themselves to accept it. It is only the humble that can even take part in it. For indeed the Jews asked for signs... 
and the Greeks searched for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified. Can we not pontificate about many things, Nick? Can we not dialogue about all these various extraneous ideas of spiritual intellectualism? Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am foremost. Paul was known. He restrained himself. Do you not think Paul could take you to task on many things? He restrained himself. He says, I came amongst you in weakness. My power is not made, was, was not in eloquent words of wisdom. He could have been that way, but he wouldn't because he knew it, it, it nullified the cross. As soon as it got flowery and, and intellectual, it started to drift from its source. But we preach Christ crucified to the Jews a stumbling block. And oh, it was a stumbling block. To the Gentiles' foolishness. Is it not now? Aren't you seen as pathetic? I'm a Christian that believes that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe he came to die for the sins of the world. I believe he was buried. I believe he's been raised from the dead and sits at the right hand of the Father. I am not ashamed of that. But you can feel the pressure to be. To just knock a few of the edges off. To water it down. If you water down the gospel, if you water down the message, you water down the results. And you have watered down Christianity, which is not Christianity at all. But those who are called both Jew and Greek, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than mankind and the weakness of God is stronger than mankind. I, I petition you in this, in seeking counsel, in seeking wisdom, you've got to get into the word of God. You've got, to, you've got to seek God in his word. You've got to seek God in his spirit. People say it's the word, it's the spirit, it's both. You need to seek God. He's given you his Holy Spirit so that you might understand all things freely given to you by God. The natural man does not receive the things of the spirit. Neither can he. He's terrestrial. He cannot even think vertically. Think about an ant. You go to an anthill. How much do the ants really think about you? They, think, they don't have the capacity to think about you. They don't have the capacity to even think to seek you. Or, what's that guy doing up there? Huh, interesting, he's kind of tall. You think that you're absurd? Well, it's that way with us. Unless God had stepped down, we would be all scratching around. Dare I say, like animals, if you see what people do to each other. But we saw with the invasion of Israel what people did to people. Humans. Humans did that. It's shocking what humans do to each other. And each generation seems to find a more inventive way to do things to one another. Wisdom is from above, amen? Thank you, Lord. Father, we just ask you for the wisdom that is from above. Thank you, Lord. I'm not starting to do the song yet. Thank you, Lord. We thank you for the wisdom from above. We thank you, God, for what you're doing. Lord, you know the folly that's within us. You know, the dumb ideas we have about you. We know how we think we're so hot and smart about things, Lord. I pray for a spirit of repentance and humility to be upon us. Thank you, Lord. We look to you, Father, to move upon this church. Lord, we're there in, in, in our hearts. And I know we would not display it this way, guys. We would not say, I am selfishly, I'm jealous. And I am selfishly ambitious. But I'm telling you, that's what took a third of the stars from heaven. That, that's what emptied heaven of a third of the angels. Ambition. 
Will you serve God even though no one knows you're serving God? Will you serve him like David? When no one knows you're serving, you're, you're taking care of the, the, the sheep and the lions. But no one's saying thank you, man. Do you look for, but do you look to man for your esteem? Or do you look to the one above? It's the training, dude. We're so terrestrial because we were born of the earth. We're from the earth. And until you met Christ, that's all you thought of was earth and self and self-preservation. But oh, when we meet Christ, the wisdom from above. Oh, that we would rise above it all. Oh, that we would lead in the wisdom and understanding in all situations. And not so quickly go into, to, to ask God, Lord, what do you want me to do with my children? What do you want me to do in this situation? How should I pray for Israel? How should I pray in the situation of Palestine? How do I pray for these? The wisdom and understanding is from above. Not from your podcasts. Not from Jordan Peterson. And I have a great respect for him. I, to anyone out there, I have a great respect for him. But often it's wisdom under the sun. I'm just saying, bless him, Lord. Bring him in. Bring him, save him, Lord. But I'm just saying, where do you seek wisdom and understanding? You have direct access to Jesus Christ through his blood. There is no more a mediator between God and man other than the man Christ Jesus himself. We seek counsel all over. You have the same spirit that raised Christ in the dead. And it's by the spirit we can understand things given to us. Let's stand together, please. Thank you, Lord. We just do not take lightly what you are doing. I just want to say how privileged I am to be a son of God, to be a child of God. I want to thank you for my wife. I want to thank you for my kids. I want to thank you for my brothers and sisters here. I thank you that you are moving on us as a people and calling us higher. I thank you that you're calling us, you've called us out of Egypt and you want to take us into Canaan. Lord, we thank you for what you're doing in us. But Lord, we yield to you. We yield to our minds. We yield to our hearts, Lord, where there's ambition. Lord, oh Lord. We lay down our gift and you might be the most gifted prophet and no one sees it. Allow God to train you in obscurity. That's where your heart is tested. Thank you, Lord. You may be the most gifted in many areas. Allow God to train you in obscurity. Then your heart is truly revealed. When no one knows how amazing you are, but God. We just yield ourselves to you, Lord. Where there's jealousy. Where we're longing to have the house. And those who have houses are longing to have the house on the water. And those on the water are allowing the house on the mountain. Lord, we, we, we don't want to have the sin of Adam and Eve. We're thankful, Lord. We don't want to be jealous, Lord. Holy Spirit, we ask you to cross-examine us. We ask you to show us. We don't even want to cross-examine us. We ask that you would lead us, because you always lead us to life. You always lead us to repentance, away from condemnation. But Lord, I pray for every heart in here, every heart in here, Lord, that none would escape, that you would reveal yourself, and that you would draw out of the ways of this world and draw out of the wisdom and the understanding. Praise God. Praise God. We yield to you.